0: Welcome to the Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Breakaway for non-stop chill. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley.
1: Everybody and welcome to the hockey show on ESPN One Thousand, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle, coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. How you doing this morning, Brian?
2: Well, uh, yeah, I thought you're supposed to enjoy yourself when you go down to Florida during the winter, Pat. Th- that,
0: what, that's usually so the plan.
2: What, and maybe, yeah, uh, maybe the, the Blackhawks do enjoy themselves, <laughs> except for the actual sixty minutes of ice time. And they are playing, you know, the best teams in their division. And unfortunately, not matching up so well right now, huh? No,
1: they've lost four or five on this road trip, including three in a row. They finish up that 6 game, uh little excursion today in Tampa, a little afternoon affair. Uh, so they've gone, they've just one win in 10 games against the Lightning and Panthers this season.
2: Not good. That's
1: uh, not, not good. So it's been a step up in class, taking on the likes of Florida And Tampa, they took on Dallas to start this road trip. There's a significant talent gap between the Hawks and the top three teams in the Central. So if you have Florida, Tampa, Carolina, there's a huge gap in the points discrepancy. The Hawks have 33. They're 11 points out of first place. They're nine back of Florida and Carolina. So the problem is, while they've been going on this skid, Brian, the Columbus Blue Jackets are back in the picture. They yes. are just two points back of the Blackhawks for the four seed and that last playoff spot. So things well, are getting a little tight there.
2: Yeah, we were worried about how the uh, the 13 games would treat them. And as you said, the talent gap is obvious. And I guess when you're in a rebuild, that shouldn't be startling to any of us. But we got a little spoiled with the idea that they can compete every night and they can play hard. And Jeremy Carlton even thought they, they played well well enough uh the other night in the 4-2 loss and there you know it was great to see Dylan Strom back and there were some silver linings there but the good news is that, you know schedule makers it uh, should be about done with the Panthers and and the Lightning right that seems like we've had our fill of them
1: that's right uh after today's game just one left with Tampa the the Blackhawks come home and they play Florida for two games uh st- to start their home stand so uh, they're not quite done with the upper echelon of the Central Division. But, yeah, I mean, this, this trip has shown us that they struggle against big physical lines that have skill, like the Barkov line in Florida. They had no answer for that line in those two games. They can generate offense when they are, are they're strong in the forecheck and they're winning battles and they're causing turnovers. When they're not doing that, the offense is tough to come by. The power play has come back down to earth. The penalty kill has been not good for most of the season. And even Kevin Lankinen, he has not been mm. the goalie that we saw the first 11 games of the season or so the last few weeks. And I think he's probably obviously coming off his worst start. He let in a couple of soft Ooh. goals uh, the other night.
2: That that wraparound, I'm still not sure how they got, got in there, what, what he was looking at or not looking at. And we talked about it last week, as late as last week, um, that formula of Lincoln and plus special teams is terrific, but it's not sustainable. And we've seen that in a big way on this road trip.
1: So, what do you think? Do you think after dropping five of six and seven of ten, that the Blackhawks will still make the playoffs? I mean, they're still in the four seed as we speak, and as Brian mentioned. They're going to have the heavyweights in the rearview mirror in the not too distant future. But, uh, your thoughts on that? That's our poll question right now. We've got that up and running. You can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. You can reach us at 312-332-3776. Uh, you can watch and listen to the show on twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. So, you know, Jeremy Colleton, even though this road trip is not produced, uh, a lot of points for them, only the two points so far. Here's what Colleton said he's taken from the trip despite the losses.
3: We knew this was gonna be a test as far as the opposition we've been playing and, and being on the road and uh I think we've had some really good performances. Uh we've had a couple that uh we weren't happy with and we gotta struggle through. And uh I said after you know last night's game that thought it was a big step. I uh, thought we played really well. The challenge is when you don't get rewarded for it, can you stick with it and do it again and find a way to, to reach that level and, and obviously we want to be even better. Um, getting you know responding to those challenges and and that's you know that's a step as a team and in our development that's gonna help us get results in the second half uh, we expect to be in the race we expect to be playing in, in huge games here uh, right down to the wire and and we expect to get ourselves in a playoff series against one of these top teams and uh, going through this now is a great great training ground for our guys to understand how we need to play and the approach we need to have to to win hockey games
1: so Jeremy Colleton feels that going through these growing pains, uh, trying to stack up against the Tampas and the Floridas, and you know maybe not producing a win in February or March is going to make this team battle-tested, and that down the stretch this is going to pay off for him. Do you, are you
2: buying that one, Brian? Uh, I'm buying it, and I'm also very happy to hear and verbalize what expectations are. And they expect to be a playoff team and be playing playoff-type games right now to get to the postseason because I think that the experience is going to be invaluable for this for this collective group when you're playing seven, eight rookies on, on many nights. And, you know, it would be easy to kind of shrug your shoulders and say, we're not good enough and, you know, we're sitting here 14, 12, and 5 and kind of just a 500-type a team. But they have shown us and surprised us to the point where now we expect them to be hungry enough to to try to you know again again they're not gonna they're not gonna beat the Floridas and Tampas right now, but I would hate to see them get into this funk and get get used to losing and get used to giving up four or five six goals a game and you know it, it, even the Ross Colton goal, you know it's a it's a terrific goal and he finished it great but how did he get how do you have five Hawks trailing him right. I mean it was you know the Joseph assist was terrific but. When you see the entire Hawks team chasing the guy, you know, that can't happen, right? You can't have those breakdowns.
1: No, no. And, you know, look, there's some good news on the horizon here. You you mentioned Dylan Strome returning to the lineup. He was out the last 11 games with a concussion. He returns the other night, scores a goal. You've got Kirby Doc with the team on this trip. Now... Jeremy has spoken specifically about Doc two or three times on this trip. Each time he is more and more optimistic about Doc returning sooner rather than later. They still don't want to put a timetable on it, but Brian, I'm thinking in the next week to two weeks, Kirby Doc is back in a Blackhawks uniform and on the ice for a game. That, that would be, that would be huge to get two. Bonafide centers in Strome and Doc back in a couple weeks span.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how Colleton you know, reconfigures his lines. I mean, at Strome playing uh, the other night with, uh,
3: Carpenter, uh, with Carpenter
2: and Yanmark, Carpenter and, and, yeah. and, and that look at and, and look. By the way, it's also great to see Dominic Kubalik with four goals and four assists in the last ten. Right, absolutely. So get him going a little bit and have Doc. We talked about Doc kind of being your. Your trade acquisition at the deadline, and that seems to be about the timeline he's on, the April 12th deadline. Um, so, yeah, there's there's still some positives to hang your hat on here. But it is discouraging that five on five, you still have a long ways to go to to be a much more consistent team.
1: Yeah, you put it all together. You've got a young team that has shown some positive results this season. They've got some players that look to be, you know, the the part of a cup contender. Uh, Guys like Hagel, Uh, you mentioned Kubelik, Um, Pew Suter has shown himself very well. Kurashev looks like he's a piece for the future. The back end's a little more foggy at times for me. I mean, the Adam Boquist puzzle is one that uh, Hmm. I I struggle with. The the, the defensive liability that he can be on a given night or day is... uh, is tough to take. I know he can produce and he can provide you with some offense, but does it make it does that make up for him being on the ice for two goals the other way?
2: And it goes back to last season too and you have to keep telling yourself how young he is, right? Remind yourself how young right. he is, but some of these other younger guys are not only establishing themselves but you know, taking steps forward. And he is just, he is, he's the head scratcher for me. I mean, I, if there's a more confounding player on the, on the Blackhawks right now, I don't know who he is.
1: No, it's, it's a great point. And I think it's, you know, he's also, he has been on that top power play unit, which that unit has really come back down to earth here mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. I think he, they struggle with him as the quarterback on that power play. Now, Jeremy took him off the, uh, the top unit. Uh, in last in the last game against Tampa, and I did see Keith out there with the top unit. So I don't know, maybe there's an adjustment. We will see. But uh, it, it, it's it's a uh, it's a tough thing knowing where they selected Boquist, knowing the high expectations they have, and and all of us knowing the area that he needs to work on, and yet from a game to game, week to week perspective, his defensive liabilities continue to show through.
2: Yeah, show through, and it's a team that has a very slim margin of error. So if you get one of those miscues by him uh, in a game, it could be the difference between putting one in the W column or the L column.
1: So coming up, uh, we want your thoughts. 3123323776 after losing five of six. Do you still think this Blackhawks team is going to make it to the playoffs? And then here's the other dilemma. And we'll talk about this on the other side with the April 12th trade deadline looming. If you're in that four spot and you really know there's a gap between the Blackhawks and the top three in the division. If somebody comes and offers you a second or a third round pick for I don't know, I don't know Matthias Janmark, do you make that deal? That's coming up next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN One Thousand.
0: You're listening to the Hockey Show presented by Coors Light. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN One Thousand. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports.
1: Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Our poll question up and running right now after dropping five of their last six games. Do you think the Blackhawks will make it to the playoffs? Early returns, 70% say no. Uh, what, do you, what do you say to that one, Brian? Even though they've, uh, they've hit a rough patch, again, against the upper echelon teams in the Central, They still sit in the four spot, two ahead of Columbus. Plenty of games with, uh, you know, Columbus and Nashville and and the teams that are below them uh, left on the slate. Just about half the schedule's remaining. Uh, Do you think they'll make the playoffs?
2: Well, I I would say that these next two weeks are pretty critical because, one, it's such a compact, short season. But, two, you know, as as much as Jeremy Carlton was okay with the way they played in in a pretty – you know uh, reserved game the other night was 23 to 21 in shots yeah um
1: which against that team i mean i
2: i'll, I'll yeah. take that against yeah, that yeah, Tampa yeah. team yeah you don't want to get into a track meet up and down the ice with them i get that but you can i mean this i said a, a week and a half ago or a couple of weeks ago that that i guess last week that Dallas game that they pulled out was pretty critical because it just had that feeling like this thing was slipping away and you know that they could go on a seven or eight game losing streak so that they got they had that one win and now they're sitting here five of the last six on the wrong side so um you can fall into bad habits and you can also get into a mental rut where you just you just don't think you're good enough and you're showing up and uh, i wouldn't say going through the motions but you lose that edge that competitive edge that carried them to this point right where you felt good about getting hitting the ice every night and even DeBrink said it a few weeks ago, we're not going to outskill teams. You know who we you are. You're very self-aware of what you are collectively, but you know what it takes. And you can get discouraged rather easily if if you start playing or getting these results against teams you should be beating.
1: Let's go to the phone lines, 312-332-3776. Jonathan from Valparaiso leads us off. Welcome to the Hockey Show, Jonathan. Good morning.
4: Hey, guys. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear you great.
4: Um,
5: I'm just wondering about with Yanmark going into the deadline um, with this team's direction before the season. Whereas with uh, where they're at now, should Stan trade him to a team that's a little bit more desperate to make a run, say like a Toronto or Winnipeg, or maybe um, a Philly or someone
1: Islanders? They you be can making that move, yeah. yeah not... Islanders should they be making a move? Well, here's the thing, Jonathan. A great call. I, I this is the dilemma that, that you have here you you ha- this is where you have to look into the sports mirror and be honest with yourself. And if you say you've gone up against the likes of the Tampa's, the Floridas and the Carolinas and you will have 8 times, you know, throughout this 56 game schedule and you haven't stacked up or haven't fared well. I told you in the 10 games against the two Florida teams, the Hawks have one win. If you say look, our prospects of beating one of those two teams in a seven game series is not very strong i've seen enough evidence throughout the regular season that i need to look down the future i mean do you think matthias Yanmark's stock is ever going to be higher than it is right now he's got 10 goals on the season the last two years he's had 12 combined six in each of the last two years so matthias Yanmark. To somebody out there who's looking for a responsible forward who can play a 200-foot game, who can actually put the puck in the net and only makes $2.25 I think it is, yeah, $2.2 2 million, and he has an expiring contract, that would be very attractive to a team out there. It would not be adjusting their cap in the future it would be prorated so you're only going to pay a portion of that 2.2 million if someone said to stan hey here's a second rounder or here's a third rounder man brian that would be hard to to pass up but the problem is how do you look at the 22 guys in that room who yeah. have completely exceeded expectations and have bought into Colliton's system about working and 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 being relentless and getting on the forecheck and backcheck? How do you tell them? Oh, guys, I'm going to take away a top six forward or top nine forward from you because I want a, a second or third round pick. That that would be hard to go into that room and, and make that that call. And realize the way those players would probably react.
2: Yeah, especially we just heard the cut from Jeremy Carlton talking about you know wanting to be a playoff team and how important that is, and how they expect to be a playoff team. And but the GM's job is always big picture. While the coach mostly, maybe not in a rebuild nece- necessarily, is to to win in the now. The GM also has to protect the future of the, of the organization. So, as you said, expiring contract, unrestricted free agent. So. You get—I don't know if you get a second, but I think you could get a third. And then do you revisit him as a free agent, bring him back? You have—you have what with the uh, long-term IR money now. You have twenty-six million dollars to play with. Now you have have to pay some guys in the upcoming season. You're gonna have to give three or four guys raises, so that's going to eat into that. But as you said, he's a relative bargain right now, and. I don't know. I mean, how much more is he going to get in his next contract? Probably three plus, but he's not going to skyrocket, right? So, you you might give him up for a few months, and he might be back in a a hawk sweater next season.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is that is always something you could say. Hey, look, go chase a ring. Yep, Uh, we love what you've done for this team and what you've brought, and you've shown that. You're more than just a defensive forward that you can put the puck in the net, and we would like to, to come after you and offer you a contract. But right now, we think it's in the best interest for the long-term future to get some draft equity. That, that's a tough – man, that would be a tough call. I, I, I would really struggle with that because the I, I always lean towards being realistic when I look at my sports teams. And when I look at the Hawks, and while I am absolutely impressed with how they have played this year – how they have bought in, how the veterans have led the way, how the young guys have emerged. I, I I can't tell you how impressed I've been with that. That said, there is a significant gap between where the Hawks are at yep. and where the cup contenders in the division are. And so for me to get back to where that is and, and the sustained success that we got used to from 2010 to 2015 – I would say, yeah, I'll take a shot on a second or a third round pick because that might be the next Alex Dobrinkit or, you know, whoever. And uh, but I again, I understand the reality of walking into that room and the message that sends to a team and how that could, oh, I don't know erode some of the trust that they have in the in the in the front office if if they you know if they go into next year like what we're going to bust our tail like we did last season and then you're going to move guys at the deadline when we were one point up uh, on on the uh the fifth place team like that would be an interesting struggle and i i i don't envy stan having to make that call
2: no i don't envy it but that's ultimately he's going to have to make that call and look if this team has the character that they talk about and they've actually, you know, shown us, I think as a group, and this is where your leadership comes in, and and maybe without Seabrook now in the room, it's up to guys like Patrick Kane. But I mean, you that's you have to keep that group together when you make a move like that, right? You have to, you know, everyone has to kind of realize the the reality, the business side of it. And I don't know if you have to explain every move to to a group of players, but if you just kind of let them know, hey. To get to where we want to be in the next season or two, these are the decisions we have to make, and they're not always uh, decisions that you're going to embrace in the here and now. But ultimately, we're doing what we think is best for the team. Back to
1: the phone lines three one two three three two three seven seven six. John from Evanston, you're on the hockey show. Good morning, John.
4: Hey guys, you know I the one thing that I have that I am really impressed with is the way the goaltending has come around, and you got two two young goalies that are starting to feel confident in the net and confident in their teammates ability to get back and help them get the puck out of there when they make a save. And, you know, as, as far as the, the locker room goes, um, you know, not having JT this year, you know, that's really noticeable in that locker room. There's your captain. That's the leader. Um, You know, he's, hopefully recovering, and will be back next year. As far as making a move goes right now, um, you can get a third-round pick for this young player. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would do it just to get that number three pick and maybe get a gem in the rough in, in the upcoming draft. Uh, in, if the team, In my opinion, if this team finishes 500 or a little better, whether or not, they make the playoffs. You know what? That's an impressive season for a young team, and it gives them a year of having each other's back out there and a little more assurance that this, that this hockey team is moving in the right direction, and when they make the playoffs, they will make a deep run.
1: All right, John, thanks for the phone call. First thing John said was he's been impressed with the goaltending hmm. as of late. Now look, I, I, nobody expected Kevin Lankinen to emerge as a Vesna Trophy favorite the first three weeks of the season, but that's what he was. That's the kind of numbers he was putting up. He was the Blackhawks' third choice, but let me let me just run down the goals that he's allowed uh, in his last handful of starts. Three against Tampa in his last outing. Two of those were soft. Four against Florida. Four against Florida. 6 against the Tampa Bay Lightning, 3 against the Tampa Bay Lightning, 5 against I mean th- those are those are not you know not, that's not all on him. That's no. and, and, and but, let me but tell there have you it's
2: been one or two every yeah, game I, that's,
1: you know like his last 9 10 starts his save percentage is is under 900. Mm-hmm. That that's not good and, and that's not all on him. Some of that is is on the defense in front of him or special teams that the penalty kill hasn't helped him out at all I mean they're uh, somewhere between a, the 23rd ranked and the 27th ranked penalty kills. so but but to say that th- you know that's been one of the strengths it was the, a strength certainly the first three ago. weeks of the yeah. season the last three weeks it's been a different story
2: it's been a different story which you know <laughs> now you have to wonder moving forward is Subban going to get more starts as you know I, I would surprised. expect him to start this afternoon I would hope so, but yeah. I expect him to start that Sunday. He didn't start either. So, um, you know, after he had the shutout right. and and the fist pump and how you know, jacked he was coming off the ice a- after that, I thought for sure he'd give him the next one, and he didn't. So, uh, I I assume you're gonna, you know, it, it Lincoln doesn't have a, a cement hold on this job, right? I mean, he doesn't have a lock on this job, and maybe he needs to, you know, have a little time in between games and and get Subban in there and see what he can do.
1: Well, that's one of the things I'm going to ask our our guests coming up next. Barstool Chief will join us for Barstool Sports. And, you know, Lankanen gets off to that great start. He's come back down to earth. Is he a bona fide starter? Is he going to be in the crease for the foreseeable future for the Blackhawks? That's just one of the things we'll ask Barstool Chief when he joins the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Coming up next. The Hockey Show.
0: Presented by Coors Light. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000.
1: It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by cores Light. Break away from the nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. It is our pleasure to bring in one of the most passionate Blackhawks fans slash talking heads that I know. He is Barstool Chief, a.k.a. Ryan Brandel. He joins us now as co-host of the Redline Radio podcast. You can follow him at Barstool Chief. Chief, how are you doing this morning?
5: I'm doing pretty well. It's the first time I've ever been called a talking head. So I don't know if that's a step in the right direction or the wrong direction, but uh, happy to be with you guys.
1: We, do we pull you away from the Barstool Sportsbook for just a little bit here to, uh, to get, get away from uh, college hoops for just a second and talk about your beloved Blackhawks. So what has the last couple of weeks told you about this team, Chief?
5: I'm getting a little nervous. So it's not that they're losing. I think anybody who kind of looked at the schedule heading into March, it was condensed. It was all the teams that were you know really above them in the standings, really good teams: Florida, Carolina. You know, Dallas is obviously behind them, but they were in the the Western Conference champion last year, and then Tampa Bay. So everyone knew it would be tough sledding. So it's not just that they're losing; it's how they're losing. I feel like they you know, It seems like they're losing more 50-50 battles, special teams. Uh, have kind of come back to, you know, regress to the mean, we'll say. And the goaltending, while it's been solid, it hasn't been, uh, you know, maybe as spectacular as we saw at earlier points in the season. So, the things that I thought were repeatable, when you know we had uh, Ryan Whitney on from Spitting Chicklets on our podcast, and I called him a buffoon for saying that the Blackhawks, you know, he said the Blackhawks would not make the playoffs under any circumstances. I thought that was crazy. Now I'm I'm worried I'm going to have to like walk that back and give an apology to him, which would I would hate that. I hate apologizing.
2: <laughs> so if you're Stan Bowman uh, in the next, we don't expect him to to do anything of substance here. By April 12th, he did talk about acquiring some bad contracts and with the uh, long-term uh, injury reserve money they have. But in the next year or so, Chief, what's the one move that would substantially um, accelerate this rebuild? If you were sitting in his office, what, what would you do or what do you think he should do? To What, what, are, what are they missing to, to compete with the Tampas and the Floridas of the world?
5: Oh, I, I think they're missing a lot. I think they're missing a, a high-end goaltender, which Lankanen has been a nice surprise. I, don't, I still don't think he's a guy you can ride to the Stanley Cup final. I think you need uh, another true top-four type defenseman, probably on the left side. Zadorov, you know, they, that was the Saad trade over the summer. There was some speculation maybe he would ascend into that role. I would trade him. I, I would I would trade, uh, you know, you're talking about the deadline coming up April 12th. I think they should absolutely be sellers. Anybody who's on one of these one-year uh, contracts, you know, I, I would definitely use the exercise long-term IR to get contracts. I don't think this is a one-year turnaround. The best thing for the Hawks to do uh, is just to get healthy. You know, the, and hopefully Kirby Doc comes back soon. You know, who knows what's going on with Jonathan Taves. But, you know, they don't have any elite centers in the lineup currently. And uh, those guys are hard to find. Uh, luckily, the Blackhawks have two of them. They're just not under contract. They're just not available at the moment. So I think getting those guys back would, would go a long way. But I don't think this team is all that close to being uh, where they used to be. So uh, it's not going to – in my opinion, I don't think it's going to be a one- or two-move thing to get them back to where they want to be, uh, which I assume is competing for championships. They might be a move or two away from being you know, in the middle of the pack. Um for a playoff spot, but I, I just don't think they're they're that close to being a cup team.
1: Barstool Chief joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN One Thousand. I agree with you. I I mean, and this road trip has shown that just one win against Tampa and Florida all year tells you that that there's a significant talent gap between where the Blackhawks are and where those teams are. And we all get that. We 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 didn't expect that they would be even in the four spot when when this whole thing started. That, that said, I'm with you. Like, if there's somebody out there that wants Yanmark and you can get a third round pick for him, I would do it. But let me ask you this question. If they're in that four spot, how does Stan look Kane in the eye and say, yeah, I know you guys busted your tails. I know you put up, you know, some MVP type numbers. You bought into Jeremy's system and set the tone, but. I, I I gotta I gotta get some more horses down the road, so I, I'm gonna hurt your playoff chances for the four for the uh, for the here and now. How do you think he would approach that with with a Kane or a Duncan Keith?
5: Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those conversations where you just got to be honest with them. And, and, and those two guys, they've been through all the championship teams. They look around the locker room and they don't see a Marion Holston, and a Patrick Sharp and a you know. A primetime Brent Seabrook. Like they know the difference. Right. They know that they need more horses. So I don't think it. I, don't, I would hope it's not that hard of a conversation. Like they're they're hyper competitive guys and know that they want to be in the playoffs. And you see that with how they compete night in night out. But it's one of those things where it's like, hey, this is you know lose the battle, win the war type of conversations. And if it were the only part where it gets difficult, maybe for Stan is if they don't trust him to to go out and make those moves. Um, but I think that they're both smart guys that have been around the block, obviously, and I think they know that there is a difference between Ian Mark and Marianosa. They know there's a difference between you know Dave Boland and David Camp. Like they just they they know, so they know they need more help and more talent, and you're not going to be able to get it this time. They like I've seen people ask me on Twitter, being like, should they be buyers at the deadline? It's like, are you insane? Yeah. Like there's nothing that they could buy to to make it worth it. So they should they should just. Strip it down. And honestly, like, if you lose Yanmark, is that going to make the – like, they still could end up in that fourth spot, even if they make some of these moves, because those guys are so good. Because they're not – Kane and Keith are are still so good, and they have some of these good young players, and maybe Kirby Doc comes back and mitigates some of that loss of Yanmark. So even with Yanmark, you know, if Doc comes back, like, they're going to be – if they're in that fourth spot, they're still getting housed by Tampa in the first round. So who cares? So – just you know, get what you can, and, and you know, re- restack the uh, the cupboard there, and uh, try to get going. And you know, by the time those guys are retiring, like that's kind of your window now. Is the next couple of years? I do think uh, Kane will be good. You know, I, I think Kane will probably be the only one of those guys to get to get another contract, another big contract uh, when his is up. He could play until he, you know, an effective player until his late thirties, in my opinion. The way I think his game will age well, but it's you know, they, they know they have to know.
2: We know that Stan thinks that Jeremy Carlton is the guy to lead this team uh, to a successful rebuild and beyond because he extended him right before the season. Are you buying? Do you know enough about Jeremy Carlton from what you've seen to this point?
5: I mean, I don't know him personally. I I think that uh, he's, he's, I was very, I was hypercritical of him last year, especially, you know even into the Vegas series, they just look disjointed and transition defensively, in their own zone defensively, a lot of gaps. Um, this year looks different. So I'll eat some crow on that. I, I think Carlton, you know, he could very well be uh, a good coach in the NHL for a long time. I hope he is. I hope he is the right guy. Um, and I, I do think that having uh, a, a veteran core and a veteran guy like Patrick Kane as your leader and de facto captain really helps because everybody respects him and looks up to him. So if he's bought in, you know, everyone has to buy in. And I think having young guys helps him too. I think if this was a uh, a more veteran team, uh, like we've seen maybe in the past with some of these the times where and struggled, maybe it doesn't go as smoothly, but you bring in Pia Suter and you bring in Kershev and Ian Mitchell and Polquist and, and uh, those guys, you know, they're going to buy in and they have bought in and, Uh, I hope that uh, we get back to the level of effort we've seen earlier in the year. I think that's been a little bit – I have this fear that they're all kind of hitting the rookie wall at the same time here, which is part of the problem. Um, But, yeah, I think Colleton has really kind of proven himself, and maybe he's grown a little bit into the role. And, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't be looking to make any changes based on what he's done this year with this roster, which is – if if we're being honest, it's not a good roster.
1: All right, chief. Let me. I want to cover all, as much ground as I can with you. A little rapid fire. I'm going to name a player. Give me your take on whether or not they have a long term future with the Hawks. All right. Here we go. Okay. Nikita Zadorov. No. Dylan Strome. No. Okay. Adam <laughs> Boquist.
5: I, I guess yes, but like I don't. I don't think you win with Bolquist, if he I don't think he'll ever be a top four guy, so if you theme him to be a specialist where he has value just by driving offense, then fine. But if I were running the team, I, w- I would say no, but I think Stan would say yes. Brandon Hagel. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Love that. I bet you love that guy, right? <laughs> he's like, yeah, your, you can
5: plug him in like he's over his keys a little bit too much. I think he's a fourth liner and they're asking a little bit more of him than what he's probably capable of. But that type of effort and that type of guy, like, that energy, he can be on my fourth line on, a, on a, like, a championship-level team forever. Last give me, one. Give me 20 Brandon Hagels and we'll conquer Rome.
1: <laughs> How about Kevin Lankanen?
5: Uh, back up. I, I think he's proven he can be, like, a very solid number two. If he plays 30 games a year on a normal 82-game schedule, I think you're in a good spot. I don't think he's the guy that you want playing 50-55 in the playoffs. All
1: right, as we spring
5: you, um,
1: I, I think I know where you stand on the John of the Tapes thing. It's like it's Johnny's decision when he wants to come public with whatever he's dealing with. My question to you is: if he was a Bears player or a Bulls player, would this have been handled differently? Like, would would the media have already? figured this thing out and, and gone public with it, would a Schefter or somebody have broken this story? Is it just a different beast because it's a hockey guy and and hockey is in its own little island here in the sports world?
5: That's, that's an interesting question. I actually haven't thought of it that way, Pat, because I'm in that hockey bubble. But, yeah, I I, I just – with stuff that it, 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 it seems like it's clearly an outside – Hockey, it's not a hockey related injury or illness or whatever it is. I, I think then it just becomes like a human story and you got to give people space. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if they would, I, I would hope not, I guess would be to answer your question. I would hope regardless of the sport, regardless of the athlete, if they're going through some medical condition, then people should just leave them alone because that, that is, they're just a human being.
1: Barstool chief. Thank you for, uh, for joining us, uh, get back to the sports book and, uh, Good luck with your bracket.
5: All right. Thanks, guys. Same to you.
1: It's Barstool Chief, uh, co-host of Redline Radio Podcast. You can follow him at Barstool Chief. Coming up next, Jeremy Collison gets passionate about the Tampa Bay Lightning trying to bait Connor Murphy into fighting in the last game. That's next. It's the Hockey Show and one-timers on ESPN 1000
0: you're listening to The Hockey Show presented by Coors Light. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. One Timer! One Timers! One Timer by Upton, Each goals on The Hockey Show. One Timer! On ESPN 1000. It's time for one-timers here on the Hockey
1: Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. breakaway from the non-stop chill. Brian, lead us off.
2: Uh, don't know anyone who wasn't shocked that Daryl Sutter was hired by the Calgary Flames a couple weeks ago, and now a lot of people said too old, disconnected from young guys. You know, hasn't coached since 2017. One of my favorite guys in the world, Daryl Sutter, and, and uh, Brian Sutter, and Richie Sutter, and Brent Sutter. I, I was around them all as players and coaches. The Flames have won four or five. So this is how this truncated season has magnified everything, especially north of the border, Pat. Uh, It's all Canadian all the time. And so we've seen Montreal fire their coach. We've seen the Flames fire their coach and bring in Daryl Sutter. Everything is uh, so much more intense for Canadian hockey when they're playing each other each and every night. So... Um, a lot of people shocked that Sutter was hired, but no, I'm not so shocked that he's already had some real success, and I expect that to continue.
1: He's he's bitter beer, bitter beer face guy.
2: Oh, he's you know what, <laughs> the driest sense of humor in the world. I'm One of my favorite people in the world, and you talk about uh, you can't get more down to earth than than he and the rest of his family.
1: Next up on One Timers, uh, NHL.com has a trophy tracker for all the uh, the postseason awards. And they have one uh, for the Hart Trophy as well. 17 NHL.com writers cast their vote at the halfway point of the season. And who do they have as the MVP? Can- Run- running away with it. 74 points for Patrick Kane. Connor McDavid checking in with 65. Austin Matthews, a distant third, with 28 points. Now, here's the deal. I'm the biggest Patrick Kane fan on the planet. Uh, and two weeks ago, when we had... David Ambron from Hockey Night in Canada. I was all in on Kane being your MVP. But as we sit right now, Mm -hmm. McDavid has 58 points on the season. Kane is 42. So he's 16 behind him. I think Patrick needs to be under 10 points within eight or less of McDavid to really be considered as your Hart Trophy winner. I don't think... The, and especially the way the voting is set up with so many, uh, basically, it's almost like a 50 50 split between the writers in Canada and the United States. With all those writers in Canada focusing in on the Northern Division and all those Canadian teams, I, I just, I don't see them ignoring a guy that is, right. you know, 18 points higher than the other, putting up highlight reel goals every single night.
2: Yeah, the intangibles will will be nice for Kane, but at some point they're going to look and say, yeah, too too much differential there, and, and you know, here you go, Connor, get your trophy.
1: All right, I've got one other one timer here, and uh, it, it's it has to do with what we saw the other night. So it was a chippy affair between the Lightning and the Blackhawks, more from Tampa's perspective, and it was payback for the Murphy hit on Chernak back on March seventh. So today, while we were on this show, uh, Jeremy Colliton spoke passionately about it. And he basically said, I think that was enough about the hit that uh, happened back in Chicago, considering he went through the guy's chest, hit him hard, but I don't believe it was a dirty hit. I don't agree with the thought that you should have to answer for paying hard and finishing that check. He went on to say, Murph has no problem answering the bell. He probably would love to do it, but we asked him not to because he's too important to our team. We need him on the ice. We've asked him to suck it up and make a team decision and just play, and he's done that. So they did not want him to drop the gloves, and that's exactly what Goudreau and Maroon and the Lightning wanted on Thursday night.
2: My last one would be the uh, watch the Maple Leafs. It happens to the best of them. Hawks are not the only team scuffling here. They've lost six of seven. They have a week off here, and if, if you're going to make a trade, and everyone said that was a consensus, best roster in hockey going into the season, they expect great things in Toronto, pressure's on. Uh, watch for uh, Kyle Dubas, the the GM. You're going to have to quarantine a player coming north of the border for two weeks. So maybe this week off, they, they make a trade of substance here and get the uh, – The deal's going well before the April 12th deadline.
1: Blackhawks back on the ice this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Pre-game show at 2.30 on NBC Sports Chicago. Thanks to our producer, Tyler Aki. Brian, great job as always. Thank you to Barstool Chief. Uh, Up next, it's NCAA Tournament. That's it for the hockey show on ESPN 1000.